Christian, God isn't mad or disappointed in you. He knows you fully and loves you perfectly. He provided a savior, not a goal. You're free to be yourself and come on in. Welcome to the Grace Cafe. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Grace Cafe podcast. My name is Mike Adams. And I'm Susan. And in today's episode, we're going to put another piece of the puzzle in place from our last episode, and we're going to talk about what causes us to grow as believers. How important is the gospel? How important is it to understand the love that God has for us and to keep that in context and to keep that at the uh, front of our thinking? And to keep reminding each other of that. Yeah. How important that is. Exactly. Because it's so easy to get sidetracked into stuff, <laughs> you know, that, that takes away from that and that hinders that. And by stuff, I mean mostly, at least for me, being involved in a system of conformity and in religion, which doesn't recognize or doesn't understand the importance of the new covenant, the importance of the gospel, the importance of grace, the work of the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit's doing in us. Not convicting us. Right, exactly. Coming into the understanding and the realization that grace is everything and that grace finds its home in understanding the new covenant. You know, a lot of this has to do with how we interpret the Bible, how we interpret scripture. And it's been so misinterpreted in so many instances because we don't understand the new covenant as opposed to the old covenant. We think the New Testament or the New Covenant, same word, diatheke is the Greek word, covenant, testament, same thing. We think that the New Testament starts at the beginning of the four Gospels, but it doesn't. The New Testament, you know, Brad Robertson says this, and I love it. He says it isn't about books, it's about blood. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament isn't about books, it's about blood. You know, blood sacrifices, how sin is dealt with, the, the forgiveness of sins. This is the New Testament, which is the new covenant. And Jesus said that in the upper room with the disciples, he said that his blood was the blood of the new covenant or the New Testament. And so the New Testament doesn't start at the beginning of the four gospels. It starts with the death of Jesus in the gospels. We need to cut that page out of our Bible. It says New Testament. It's right before Matthew. And we need to make four copies of it. And we need to put it deeper into the into these four gospels, or as I call them, the four biographies, and make the New Testament start where the New Testament starts, with the death of Jesus, which isn't at the beginning. You know, most of those Gospels were written in the Old Covenant. They were Old Covenant literature, they're Old Covenant writings to Old Covenant people about the Old Covenant law, which is no more. The Old Covenant was obsolete and, and has passed away. The law was fulfilled and abolished in Ephesians chapter 2. So we don't understand that. We like to mix those two things up, and what that does is it takes away from the cross, it takes away from grace, and it gives us a wrong view of who God is, what he expects, and we start to think that we can please him based on our own efforts, be it spiritual disciplines or whatever our group Quiet is telling time. us. Yeah, whatever our group's telling us we need to be spending more time doing instead of understanding that we grow in grace. And nothing else. I think I just thought about that. I heard this a long time ago. I don't know where it was, but 
like you have a glass of water, and let's picture that as grace. We'll put a little, just a little dab of food coloring in there, and that's the law. That colors the whole thing. Right. It takes away from grace, and we just live that way. We are, for some reason, we are driven to perform, and for me, when we were in that, I could rise to the occasion and live by the rules because in my personality, I'm a rule keeper. Right. So I was actually really ideal <laughs> for that situation. You were the ideal, to, the ideal candidate. For someone to have control over me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, you know, I was too, to an extent anyway. But man, you know, I look back on on the, some of that stuff that we talked about in the last episode and a lot of it took place because of a misunderstanding of grace. You know, church leaders don't understand the new covenant, most of them. Church leaders don't understand the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. There was a, a church thing or a, yeah, a little church blurb that came across one of my social media feeds, and I talked about this on the End Sunday show a little bit. It was Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, you know, which says, Something like, you know, don't let the words of the law depart from your mouth. Memorize them, do them every day, and you'll prosper. And this was that church's memory verse. They were asking their people to memorize that. And why? Why memorize that? Because I'm not obligated. I've never been under the law. I'm not obligated to do that. That's a system that's gone away. That's a system that's not of faith. It's of works. And by the works of the law, no one's going to be justified. But that was their memory verse because church leaders, for the most part, religious leaders, for the most part, don't understand that distinction. They don't make that distinction. And when we fail to understand the difference between the New Covenant and the Old Covenant or the New Testament and the Old Testament, because again, it's about blood, not books. Thank you, Brad Robertson, for saying that. I'm going to repeat that a lot. <laughs> it's now one of my favorite phrases. But it's about blood. It's not about it's not about books. And so when we when we don't understand that and we don't point that out, it flattens out all of the Bible. And all of a sudden, everything applies to everybody all the time. And so we take things in sermon on the Sermon on the Mount and we try and make them principles for Christian living. That's not what that is. Not at all what that is. But we don't understand that difference. We don't take into account that context. Sure. We might look at historical context. We might look at context of, you know, the culture at the time. But the big context is which covenant are we talking about? Because that old covenant is obsolete. It's gone. That's Hebrews 8. And the law of that covenant was the law of Moses, and it's been abolished in Ephesians chapter 2. If we don't make that distinction, man, you know, we can go all over the map and we can make people feel so guilty and condemned and shamed. And it, yeah, it's not nourishment. I, I we listened to Brad today and yesterday. He was talking about where do we get real nourishment? It's hearing about the blood. It's reminding us that who God is and how He feels about us, and He's not disappointed in us. I know I have this tattoo on my arm of flowers. And, and it says, known and loved, because I had to have that tattooed on there so that I could help myself remember. But really, we need to, I, I want to be, when we talked about community last week, I felt like, okay, I want to go to this place and get all this nourishment. 
just to be around people and to sing songs. And even though songs might trigger me at some point or it's a show or whatever, I wanted to go. But, you know, after listening to that message in Hebrews, the nourishment comes from the cross. That's the nourishment. It is. I'll put a link to that episode of his in the description here so that y'all can go listen to it. Highly recommend it. One of the analogies that he spoke about was how Jesus was crucified outside the city. And he really brought that analogy around in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant offerings, the bodies of the animals were destroyed, burnt outside of the camp. Well, Jesus went outside of the city to be crucified. And he brought that around to this analogy that sometimes you just have to get out of the environment that you're in in order to see Jesus as Jesus, in order to suffer with him, in order to appreciate what he did on the cross. Because if you stay in the system or in the city, you're not going to see it. Sometimes you got to get out. I was really encouraged by that, just by the fact that, you know, we had left that system and understanding that we're not alone, that was a good thing because we're getting nourishment not in that system, but outside of that system. And when you do, people that are still in that system look at you with with suspicion, mm-hmm. and they don't understand. But they're the ones missing out. They're the ones that don't understand. And so I just really appreciated that analogy. And again, I'll have a link to that episode of his in the description of this episode. Yeah, we talk about growing spiritually and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, he was just reminding me about, and this is, I think, what Steve Brown was all about, is that God has forgiven all our sin. There's no guilt. There's no shame. It's a permanent cleansing. We have eternal life. And these are the things that we need to be reminding each other of. And this is the kind of thing that nourishes us. Not, have you read your Bible today? Or have we talked about God's wrath enough today? And I think back on our healing journey, and just because I'm a very feeling person inside, not I don't express it, but whenever I heard about God's kindness and about his love and his mercy, I could feel the softness coming back into my heart. I could feel nourishment happening, like having an IV. When I heard that everything was totally forgiven, that I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. The healing that came from that, because I knew I couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't mean that I'm I'm just sitting out my life. It means that I'm growing in my relationship with God and learning to talk with Him and learning to hear Him and Him leading me to people to whatever. It's like you're you're decluttering for a better view of Jesus. You know, you're just getting rid of the stuff, the stuff that's meaningless, the stuff that doesn't count, the stuff that doesn't matter. All the rules and the regulations that you're supposed to conform to, those don't grow you. Those don't nourish you. Those hinder your right. growth. Those stunt your growth. Those hinder your nourishment. Those, you know, that's a false nourishment. But yet, in church settings and religious settings, that's the go-to thing. If you want to grow, you need to be in a small group. If you want to go grow, you need to be practicing these spiritual disciplines. And you can go to any church website. I've done this. You, you know, you can pull up 
okay, here's what we think about spiritual disciplines. And some of, them will, some of them will say, you need to be practicing these 10 spiritual disciplines in order to grow. And the next church will say, you need to be practicing these 12 spiritual disciplines in order to grow. You know, another church had 20. Man, that's exhausting. Who's right in that thing? I mean, how do you, how does that have anything at all to do with growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus? That's all about me and my effort. Right. And I'm not, and we're not saying that you can't find nourishment in a small group or you can't find nourishment in an established church. I mean, we, we have friends who are finding nourishment places. Right. But we haven't been able to find that. And I don't know if we're just weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing around us, that's for sure. Yeah. But you know, I don't want to be cynical. And so I need to be reminded. We need to remind each other all the time about who we are and be nourished with that, be nourished with the blood of Jesus. I remember hearing in our previous existence how that sanctification was progressive. Yeah. You know, it was a misunderstanding of uh, what is it, uh, Hebrews 10, 14, you know. We're not being sanctified. We've been sanctified. And, and yet there's a couple Bible translations that translated that wrong and make it being sanctified, as though sanctification was progressive. But our sanctification is complete. We've been set apart. We've been made holy. We've been perfected forever by his one sacrifice. We're not getting more and more perfect. We're not getting more and more sanctified. We've already been sanctified. And to think that I need to be working for this and that my spiritual disciplines or lack thereof will either contribute to or take away from this progressive sanctification is a denial of the cross. It's a denial of Jesus' complete work on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins and to set us apart and to make us holy. And then you couple that with, you know, the resurrected life. And we have everything that we need for life and godliness in this age right now. And that happened outside of me. That happened apart from me, apart from my efforts, apart from my works, apart from having to conform to any system of religion that says, I need to do more in order to keep a relationship with God when God is the one that's, that secured my relationship with him forever. And I've been made perfect forever, according to the writer of Hebrews. That's amazing. So that leaves, if I don't have a to-do list, if I don't have to earn more and grow more as far as my spirituality, I think it brings it back to relationship. Absolutely. To walking with him to have in this journey with him and learning more and more about him and his love and his character. Because he doesn't, you don't get closer to him. I'm already as close as I'm going to get. Oh, he's in you. Yeah. but That's pretty close. Knowing him and, and knowing, learning to believe of his love for me. Just True. walking this life together with him. It's all about relationship. Yeah. And he initiated the relationship, and he is keeping the relationship intact. You know, I think it's interesting that when we first got saved at Calvary Chapel and stuff, the big thing was it's about relationship, not religion. But boy, it just so easily slipped into its religion. I remember early on, you know, after those years when we started getting involved in churches and Bible college and that kind of stuff, I remember hearing somewhere over and over again that. Um, the purpose 
of man and woman is to know God and enjoy him forever. But the enjoyment part, I never enjoyed God in a religious environment. I never did. I enjoyed the attention when I would do things the right way. I enjoyed the fact that I did know my sins were forgiven because of grace, but you know, there was always that pressure to keep confessing in order to stay forgiven. There was that little thing. And so there wasn't a true enjoyment of God for me. Yeah, I knew him. But to enjoy God forever, I had a wrong view of God. And the view of God that I had was kind of a a harsh disciplinarian who was ready to punish my failures and who looked to me to keep our relationship intact through confession of sins. Yeah. How do you enjoy that? And reading your Bible. Yeah. Read your Bible, pray every day. You want a thing? Anyway, um, you know, how do you enjoy that God? You don't. And do you ever believe that he enjoys you? Exactly. Yeah. And he does. Man, he enjoys us. But in that environment, you know, okay, the, the chief goal of man is to know God and enjoy him. Well, even knowing God, when you have a wrong view of God, you're knowing the wrong God. You've got a weird, a weird view of him. A weird view, yeah. And our, you know, our view of God or our view of church, rather, and of religion and of our obligation to it, our ongoing obligation, our need to be obligated to it, informs our view of God. And it, it darkens that view. It's a wrong view. I had for years a view of God that I honest, if I'm honest about it, I couldn't enjoy him. But now this side of grace, this side of a, a better understanding of the new covenant gospel of grace, what's not to enjoy? Because there's no rules, there's no regulations, there's no conformity. So does that make you want to go out and do horrible things? Oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in that other system, I was so obsessed with my own spiritual navel and my own progress. And am I sinning? Is this right? Is this wrong? Should I be doing this? That I was just in constant turmoil. Mm-hmm. You know, but I haven't thought that way in years now. You know, I haven't thought about that kind of stuff in years. And it's so freeing. It's so freeing to realize that it isn't about me. It isn't about my conformity. It isn't about my ability or inability. The Holy Spirit's never going to shame me. He's never going to convict me of my sin, but he's going to lead me deeper into the truths of the gospel. It was the Holy Spirit in the book of Hebrews. The Holy Spirit said, there are sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Was that Hebrews 8? That's the Holy Spirit talking. The Holy Spirit doesn't remember my sins anymore because they've been forgiven. I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And so his business isn't about convicting me of sin. I remember when we would leave some church services back then, if we left feeling really bad about ourselves, it was like a great thing. Man, that was so convicting. No, the Holy Spirit was really convicting me. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Something else was, but that wasn't the Holy Spirit. Man was putting guilt and shame on my heart. That's exactly right. It wasn't the Holy Spirit, but we blamed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets a bad rap, and we blamed the Holy Spirit, but that wasn't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's leading us into truth. You know, it's interesting that when you do come out of all of that, 
Well, you know, I just, I keep going back to there are places, but they're not here. So when you do leave. <laughs> <laughs> they're nowhere here. When you, when you leave, you do get the looks. You do get the comments, you know, people who aren't even in your life saying things. Like when you were at the coffee shop and someone came up and asked you where you went to church. Yes. Someone from our distant past. And what happened? Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen this guy in probably 20 plus years. And yeah, he came up to me or I saw him. So I went over and introduced him, introduced myself and said, Hey, it's me, you know, blah, blah, blah. He goes, Oh, where are you going to church? And I said, well, we don't really go to an institutional church. And so he said, immediately, he just dismissed me. And he said, Oh, so you're against the body of Christ. And he already had his food, you know, his little coffee shop. And then he just turned around and walked out the door. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. (laughs) I didn't get a chance to say, what do you mean by that? You know, let's talk about that. He wasn't interested. He categorized me right away as against. as against the body of Christ so that he didn't have to deal with me so that he could walk away. and uh, Feel better about himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's how it works. You know, when you, when you see grace as grace, people who don't see grace as grace think you're weird. They think you're, there's something wrong with you or... There's something amiss in your theology. But really, it's, it's them who have the problem more so because they don't see it. They don't understand the pure grace of God and that that's all you need for life and godliness. That They don't see it. Yeah, You need to be doing these other things and conforming to the things that your institutional setting or your religious group or whatever is telling you that you need to do. That's not freedom. No. And it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. When, you know, when Paul said that, what was it, to the Galatians? Don't be entangled again, you know, in the yoke of bondage. He was talking about the Judaizers who were bringing the law to bear and saying, you need Jesus plus the law, the law of Moses. But even when it's not the law of Moses, even today, put it in, putting it in a more, you know, modern setting of, well, maybe it isn't Moses. Maybe it's just rules and regulations that the group has determined you need to be keeping. Don't get entangled in those. No one has authority over you there. They only have as much authority there as you allow them to have. Because in the in the body of Christ, it isn't about top-down authority. Jesus was very clear about that with the disciples. It shall not be this way among you. And so there is no top-down authority that you have to submit to. You're free to not submit to that. And sometimes like we mentioned earlier, and like Brad alluded to in that, in that podcast, you have to go outside the system to be set free because you're not going to hear the message in the system. You have to go outside the camp. You have to go outside the city to where the cross is. And unfortunately, that's true a lot of the time. I really appreciate that analogy. Yeah, that, that was, was really that good. That was good to hear. I was talking to a friend, I think yesterday, and we were just talking about we're ready for community but how do we do it? And she's listening, also listening to Brad. And she goes, well, have you thought about just doing it in your home? And she said, we could start out with just the three of us and just see what happens. And I'm up for that. Oh, yeah. And I know we have really good friends that, well, we moved further south, so we do live far away from people now. And other people have found small groups or whatever. So... You know, I don't know what it's going to look like, but we do want to try that. I got an email. It was so cool. 
from someone, oh, I don't know how many years ago. It was pre-pandemic when we had been in Chattanooga with our dear friend Chris and his um, church. And we went to a small group that night. And it, I mean, I told people for a long time after that, that was a picture. That small group was just a picture of what I envisioned the body of Christ being. Mm -hmm. It was so diverse in a lot of ways. And people were just loving on each other, different background. Just so, They were all so different from each other. But wow, the love, you could just feel the love there. And I, I would love to have that in our home. Yeah, would well, that be amazing? I just don't know. We just need to pray. I want to pray, you know, which is a big thing for me that to actually pick a topic and want to pray about it. You know, our, our friend is wanting to come over and just see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I think we need to move forward on that. You know, talking about Chattanooga and that group there, those people really love well. I know they do, and I—that's what I want to do. And and the thing is, is that when you start something like that, like what I'm ta thinking about, you have to really be open to other types of people. Yes, it's not like we're not all these, you know, cookie cutter. Yeah, cookie cutter people coming together because <laughs> it's gonna be—it might have some just different people in there. But how do you love those people? Because God loves them. Yeah, we have one job. That's to love one another. Yeah. It can get a little awkward, <laughs> you know, if you're not used to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that's something to definitely be praying about. Yeah. Put, put that on the old prayer agenda. Get another prayer chain. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep everyone posted if anything happens from this. But anyway, that's all I wanted to talk about today and just encourage people to listen to that. Um, it's really good. Yeah. Again, I'll have that link in the description of this here episode. So I guess we'll close up there. Really thank you all for joining us again on the Grace Cafe podcast today. And until next time, y'all take care. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Cafe podcast. To be a part of this ongoing conversation, visit us online at gracecafepodcast.com. Thank you.